It is December 21, 2022. We here are trying to make common sense of this world of lunacy that we're living in these days at uh, Common Sense Ohio. Uh, and for those who don't know yet, you can check us out at commonsenseohioshow.com. And why wasn't it just commonsenseohio.com? Well, somebody already had that, so we had to make it commonsenseohioshow.com. And it is a show, and it does make common sense, so it makes perfect sense that it would be commonsenseohioshow.com. And if you understood all of that circular reasoning, then uh, you're in the right place here for another episode at the Roundtable Channel 511 Common Sense Ohio. Uh, and what are we doing? Well, we're going to uh, we're going to take on all sorts of topics: Ohio worthy, news worthy, uh, country worthy, world worthy, using Ohio as a launching pad uh, and giving you a eh, maybe semi non political, non political viewpoint. Trying to use common sense to analyze what's going on uh, because why? Well, nobody else is doing that. So we figured we had to. Um, we have uh, Norm at the round table. He's taking notes feverishly over there. Looks like he's got a new fresh haircut, too. Uh, <laughs> we, got, we got Brett from Circle <laughs> 27 Media. And we have a special guest at the table, uh, Norm's son. I might let you use his name. Norm's sure. son, Paul, at the table. It looks like he's doing work. He's a medical student uh, and doesn't want to. Uh, I turned his mic on. He doesn't know that, but doesn't want to participate. Uh, anyway, we're going to, uh, without, uh, I don't even know what that, we should probably redo all of that, but I won't. So anyway, let's, uh, let's get rolling. I don't know what's going on in Ohio other than in, in four days, we will be celebrating the birth of Christ. And, uh, that's good news. Uh, literally, if you read the gospels. Yes, and this year looks like we may have actually Christmas weather coming through. We got a snow, at least, a at least in our down. part of the world. Yeah. So. I uh, actually Weather. kicked around when you're the owner of a building. So all of you people who just go check into wherever you go every day, you don't realize that the owners of buildings have to go prepare for such things. Like <laughs> we have to have uh, ice melt or salt or something to throw on the parking lot. I've got to have a shovel ready. I've got uh, a battery powered snowblower because I don't want to keep gas inside here, but uh, that is barely enough to do the job. So Anyway, I'm prepared. Yeah. Or, well, and I guess it's one of those, we'll see how blown out of proportion it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, we're so not used to the weather forecasts and the weather people just, for the ratings, we're going to make a big, big deal out of this. Yeah, it's just like saying just, nine, nine degree high on Friday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 And I winterized my RV, Norm, so I'm, I'm, I got some pink stuff in it. Yeah. Um, do good. that right. Did you do your hot water heater? Uh, it's uh, instant hot. So okay. all I had to do is really just release the pressure and let it drain. So okay, yeah, yeah, nice. Okay. That that's the one thing people tend to forget in the RVs. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a school of thought that you shouldn't. You know, there's a school of thought that you don't want that pink stuff in your uh, in your water heater. But but I, there's you know. also a, a there's also the thought that that would freeze and burst. <laughs> well, if you drain it, <laughs> right. if you drain it, then in theory there's no yeah. water in there. To if freeze yeah, and burst. if it will completely gravity drain, that's the thing. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know if you know this, but they sell a pneumatic pressure fitting so that when you blow that out with the pink stuff, it actually has some force behind it. So yeah, yeah. I uh, I did that. I put okay. a, in my city water inlet. See, this is this makes perfect common sense. This has nothing mm -hmm. to do with the show. We can this is common sense, no. right? So I used a fitting and I and I uh, put. 30 pounds of compressed air through my entire system to blow out everything. And I opened up the little release valve in my hot water heater, even though it's just coils because it's not a tank. Excuse me. I'm opening my Wiedemann beer. There we go. Wiedemann. Yeah. George Wiedemann beer. That was beer. Yeah. yeah. No, it's actually a, 
It's an energy drink. And it wasn't even good beer. So just, <laughs> well, I don't even know if they still make it, but we they do. Was, was the bottom. They of just the brought it back. And yes, it had sir. those little hand grenade bottles. I remember those things. Jeez. Uh, anyway, so I, I ran pressure through it. Then I ran the pink stuff through it, and uh, I am winterized. Sadly, because there's more camping I could do in the winter. Here. Sounds like a colonoscopy. It, well, we have a medical student. Here, <laughs> so, so Steve, you just. You just dewinterize it if you want to use it this winter, and then rewinterize it afterwards. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it took takes fifteen minutes. It's exactly so. Quit, quit your whining. Actually, it took me twenty minutes, but I think the next time it might take more, like ten, because it was the first time I had to do it. I had to figure it out. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So, All right. what is newsworthy in Ohio? I don't know, but Norm has got notes. <laughs> so yeah, we're he's doing, like for those that thought this was a plumbing show. Um, it's actually a current events show mm-hmm. with a emphasis on Ohio. So you got, we have, uh, some wild, uh, criminal news here. That's just very sad. We hope it, you know, obviously turns out okay for this missing twin, um, little boy, five month old boy who remains, um, missing, but there was a, a kidnapping, a car, a car was stolen with two five month old uh, twin boys in the back seat while the mother was door dashing at a quarter till 10 on Monday night in the short north area of Columbus, Ohio. Like door dashing, meaning delivering food and such. That's right. This poor woman. So this beat up Honda that she was driving that the little boys were in uh, was left running, unlocked uh, while she dashed into a Donato's pizza place to pick up uh, food to deliver. So, I mean, I don't know her marital status, but you know you got to think that uh, she's scraping. This this Honda is described as something that had been in an accident. No bumper, front or back. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it was a beater. Side. It was a beater. It was a yeah, beater. It was a beater. And this this woman, I mean, you know, and I'm praying for her. she. She's obviously scraping, and she's working. You know, quarter to ten on a Monday night with her kids in the back seat. Because how do you pay a babysitter on DoorDash money? Well, you know, you can't. No. So uh, God bless her. And they found one of the boys in Dayton, Ohio, at 4 in the morning in a rental car parking lot at the airport, um, you know, stashed between two cars. And uh, they haven't found the other boy. They have a name uh, and a description of the perp. Um, you know, it's, it's just a tragedy. The... Naturally, there has to be some kind of controversy, and sadly enough, the the mother called in to the police at 9.45, but the Amber Alert was not put out by the state patrol until f- almost four hours later. The Columbus PD requested the Amber Alert at 11.45. The state highway patrol, which runs the statewide Amber system, did not put out the Amber Alert until a second request was made, and then it came out at one thirty-seven in the morning. So there is there an explanation as to why? Not right now. Uh, I heard the Columbus Police Chief in in a very cooperative kind of way indicate that it was some sort of bureaucratic snafu, and she didn't blame the State Patrol. She didn't blame her department. She just said it was a it was a screw up, and you know she 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 said I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Somebody messed up. 
we'll figure that out. But in the meantime, they have 60 police dedicated to this case. And um, so I'm, I'm curious about this. They find the, the kidnapping happened where it happened in the short north of Columbus, Ohio. That's on High Street uh, at a Donato's at first and high. They found the baby at the Dayton International Airport. So hmm. those listening and like, there's one missing uh, the other baby. Yeah. Those interested, uh, you know, our listeners in like Japan or Italy or, uh, you know, overseas or, you know, wherever in China, you probably aren't allowed to listen to such commonsensical stuff. But uh, Dayton is about an hour west of Columbus, so somebody would have had to grab this kid, grab these kids or this kid, and drive west about an hour on I seventy, and it would take just about an hour and change to get to the Dayton airport. I think. Yeah, it's not a someone. the The suspect, uh, the police have put out a picture of her. She's twenty four year old, uh, Nayla Jackson. She was in the Donatos when the mother of the two boys came in. She booked, according to the Donato's employees, she booked and left as soon as the mother came in. So clearly she must have seen this car or when she went outside said, oh, a running car. Jumped yeah, in. well, there's, there, you know, I always want to sometimes people jump to different conclusions here. And this is tragic no matter which conclusion you're jumping to. But you almost want to think, is there like some cabal of people out there looking to snatch kids and then sell them? Uh, and, you know, going to the airport certainly would suggest something like that. But, or is it just somebody who saw an opportunity to take a car and then had to deal with two kids uh, that happened to be in the car? So they get you can just picture this woman getting a few miles down the road and be like, "Holy crap! I got twins in this car. It's too late to turn around." Um, and then you, you you know now now we've got this problem. And you know how does one kid up end up in an airport and another not? Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. None of this makes common sense to me. Uh, so I'd be you know we're all praying obviously, and we're gonna we're gonna watch this unravel. But man, what a mess! Yeah. Damn. Other wow. big uh, big news that we sort of uh, teed up last week was the voting reform, and I don't mean reform good bad. I just mean you know reformed um, in the state of Ohio, where there will now be a photo ID requirement in order to vote in person. Um, so Ohio has passed that. Dewine signed it. The governor uh, has signed it. Um, so we now have voter um, photo ID in Ohio. Assuming it stands up uh, to court scrutiny, it's interesting that just two weeks ago in North Carolina, a similar law was thrown out uh, with the theory being, I mean, it, that it looked like it had discriminatory intent, quote unquote, discriminatory intent. Now that doesn't mean actual discrimination but that it appeared that the law so this is reaching inside the minds and souls and you know the intent of the legislature in north carolina that when they passed their photo id law that they did so with the intent of discriminating against some group. I, I wonder what the, I'd like to read. Hmm. I haven't read that decision from a legal standpoint, but I'm curious what the what language of the law would have led them to conclude that. So in Ohio, interestingly, um, are, I'll call them liner notes because it's the, maybe, maybe the common term, but legislative notes and uh, commentary out of the general assembly are not, are not a, a, a formal real thing in Ohio. In other words, they have no authoritative value. Although sometimes we go look at the notes and see what uh, some of the prior versions were for interpreting a law. A lot of states 
those those comments and the legislative notes actually have some authoritative value. So I'd be curious what it was that uh, the courts would have grasped on, grasped onto to uh, determine that somehow whoever is is uh, pushing uh, photo IDs is doing it with discriminatory intent. And, and you know, discriminatory intent doesn't necessarily make something unconstitutional. Uh, you would need some discriminatory uh, impact or outcome, I would think. You know, so I can intend to discriminate against a certain race or gender or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. But um, let's say I intended to do it, but it actually helped the people I was trying to hurt. Um, would that still be struck down as unconstitutional just because somebody had an intent? Well, so yeah, something well, doesn't make sense. Here, it right? was, it's not it could up. be as simple as they're charging for photo IDs. Ohio decided not to, but then it still comes down to, well, we're going to give away the free, uh, free photo IDs, but we're going to make a list. Therefore, it's discriminatory. Yeah. We're making a list of people. Yeah. I, I mean, it could be as simple as that, too. They, you know, they, they read way too much into it. Well, and there's different, it. Yeah. from a legal perspective, there's different ways you prove discrimination. One is a, is an obvious disparate out, or, uh, or, or an obvious outcome that is uh, is clear. So, Or mm-hmm. the, it express language. So black folks, only black folks have to have ID. White people don't have to have ID. Or only Hispanics have to have, ID, have, to have ID and others don't. Sure. That would be an obvious discriminatory um policy in the language of the statute, then you have something called disparate outcome. So you, you have this um, uh, impact on a certain race or gender or whoever uh, that is adverse, and uh, therefore there's discriminatory, uh, the bill is discriminatory. So it's not always obvious what uh, what it is. And, and you know, if you want to take, if you want to take those kind of things and apply them to so many uh, other sort of uh, f- quote because we have to do something legislature, you know the the adverse outcomes or the unintended consequences on certain races are often the ones they're trying to protect end up far worse off as a result. So anyway, that's my yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, the the point of all these bills is to discriminate in terms of who is a legitimate voter and who isn't. That is the whole point, is to discriminate. Are you entitled to vote? Yes, no. That is a discrimination. Sure. <laughs> you know, discrimination's always, it now has a negative connotation. And it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I oh, mean, that's true. See, it, we all discriminate like, every day. What kind of food do you like to eat? What do you like to drink? Exactly. Yeah. Do you like to wear red clothes or right. blue clothes? Right. So if I sure. waddle in and I have no ID and I can't prove that I'm a citizen of the voting district that I purport to, 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 to reside in, well then yes, <laughs> the system should discriminate against me because I am not able to prove that I'm a legitimate voter. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're now to the point where in our society, where we, we just, with the wave of a magic wand, we, we want to do this fairy dust and, and put chocolate sprinkles on everything and make sure everybody's happy. But that's not the point of government. Well, I, I don't I don't even think it's that. It's I ridiculous. Think, I think it is intentional uh, deception. You know, in other words, I, I think, you know, when, when you hear Biden stand up and say that we've got the safest borders or his press secretary, it's like the borders, there's no border crisis. And there obviously is. You know, these are lies. And it's like, well, the, Steve, know, it's, it's Steve Josie Wales, don't I, piss down my neck and tell me it's raining. I agree with that. But I'm also I'm also wedging into this this propensity in government now to make everything super easy 
and super slick. And what that does is it disenfranchises legitimate voters. It disenfranchises legitimate taxpayers. And I'll give a quick example. The White House was dancing around in front of the microphone about how the now on hold student uh, debt forgiveness uh, system that Biden just blurted out, no legislation, just created with a wave of his pen, how those applications on average only took five minutes to fill out. Five minutes to be forgiven up to $20,000? You got to be kidding me. There needed to be a little bit more work put yes, into it. I exactly. mean, come on. Well, I feel as like you said, a little some money. Exactly. Yeah, honest, honestly, uh, as really. you as, as you just said, a little discrimination. A little bit, of, right? Well, you know, well, sure. in your example, to being, make sure it's legitimate. Yeah, that's and all. I don't know who you were talking about, but then, you know, they could after they graduated, they could still apply. They've been out for a year or so. It's like, no, right. it's a done deal. Right. It, it's, it's you're done. It's lunacy. Yeah, it is lunacy. That's not, I'm sorry to go down that rat well, hole, but it was just moon. an example yeah. of of how. Things are now judged to be good versus bad based on whether you can quickly do it. I mean, well, look, I, I don't have wonderful. a problem with that Jeez. as such. Uh, or, or look, I don't have a problem with making it easy. I have a problem with judging it as good because it is easy. Right. And, you know, so exactly. you could have two yeah. things true here. You mm-hmm. could have something that's very difficult that's also very good. You could have something that's very easy that's also very bad. Thank mm-hmm. you. You can't just say, well, look, look how simple it is to get your right. money. Uh, like wait wow, wow wow it's like why does it have to be easy first of all right and, and right it's like this is a Thomas Sowell like, the, these actions are never judged based upon uh, their actual outcome and what the results are what the consequences are only on what their expressed intent was and I say expressed intent because I'm not sure the intent that they express is also is always the intent that they're concealing underneath it all yeah you know yeah. speed is a virtue on a racetrack so if corn pop and President Biden want to come out and deal with me on a racetrack. Let's go for it, old man. But, hey, speed in and of itself is not a virtue when it comes to making sure that tax dollars are legitimately spent. Give me a break. Yeah. Um, Oh, quick. Also to follow up on something, guys, that we had talked about earlier is the Gibson's uh, bakery case in Oberlin. Um, The uh, family did get, they have confirmed, they did get the $36 million check from Oberlin College. So they're, you know, as Steve, the lawyer here knows, it's one thing to get a judgment. It's a whole nother thing to collect on that judgment. They got their 36 mil. Hmm. Now, Noah, the husband of the of, of the owner, um, you know, had passed away during the pendency of this case. I think it was filed in 2017. So they had been, you know, in litigation of in one way or another on this case for six years. And this is a case where they were accused in official organs, official papers and press releases by the university, by Oberlin College, not the university, Oberlin College in Ohio, of having some kind of, they were purported by the university, by the college, excuse me, of having some sort of track record of racist behavior. And they were able to establish, in fact, there was absolutely no justification for that charge. The uh, Oberlin students who had come in and shoplifted were prosecuted, and they did apologize to the owners of the bakery for their shoplifting. So all of the violence, all of the crime, the fighting, the scuffling, all everything 
the the Gibson's family was found not to have done any of that. And in fact, they were the victims of not only the shoplift, but then the later, you know, fake racist allegations, the Jesse Smolletting of them, that the only reason they filed charges was because, you know, they don't like black people. Yeah, and just you know, nonsense. Give me, Total give me nonsense. a break. So they, yeah. they blew it out, 36 mil for lying about somebody's intent. And, and you know, it, it, you're, so, you're so right that you, you hear these judgments all the time, but you don't always get judgments against the, quote, deep pockets, and deep, pop, deep pockets are those who are able to pay. And uh, so sometimes these judges are Pyrrhic in nature, meaning it sounds like it sounds good. You've got some sort of Pyrrhic justification or vindication, rather, uh, but you never get to collect. And these people lost everything. They lost their livelihoods. They lost their business. They lost their reputations. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you could turn back the clock, they would prefer to say, look, we would just wanted to run our business. That's all we wanted to do. And, sure. you know, 36 million. Yeah, it's great. But yeah. uh, it, it's. You know, that's the only way we know to measure damages. Um, yeah, it won't bring the dad back if he died of stress. I'm sure, he, I'm no. sure that contributed. Right? Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. well, sure. Well, look, I, I think now that we're talking about justice, uh, we probably ought to talk. We Another one we got to follow up on, the the sentencing down in Pike County occurred. So we're talking about the Rodan, Rodan murders. Uh, there was a man convicted. We talked about him last time. Uh, George Wagner the fourth was, sent, was uh, convicted of murder and a bunch of firearm specifications and a bunch of... Uh, uh, related crimes for killing the Rodan family. There's more to come, I think, on that. One one individual, I think his son or brother, pled guilty earlier in another uh, hmm. uh, still pending trial. So there's, and Steve, uh, Steve, just for, you know, to review, eight people, right? I think there are eight people. Eight people, and they were uh, killed uh, execution style. Yeah, yeah, like I'm talking like Manson style, like yeah. go into their RVs and campers late at night, sneak around, and just, just kill them while they're, while they're yeah. completely well, defenseless. Yeah. Okay. I mean, crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know what I didn't know, and we talked about this, is like why wasn't this a death penalty or what was a death penalty? This was not a death penalty, and I'm reading an article, and I don't know this to be true, but I think it might be. In some of the language in this article I read to prepare for this said that the death penalty was taken off the table because uh, of a plea by one of the co-defendants. So it may be that the, we were asking why would the guy plead guilty to do life in prison, uh, and he may have cut a deal to take the death penalty off the table for the rest of the family members. So and that, that would not be a normal thing that would happen day in and day out in the criminal justice system, but you know it may have happened here. Um, and he was given something. Uh, Wagner the Fourth was given life in prison without parole, plus a bunch of... Uh, uh, firearm specification times. I get this question a lot. Like, what's a specification in an indictment? Well, if you use a gun, a, a firearm spec is a good one. So when you hear firearm spec, think specification. If you use a gun to commit a crime, ordinarily before you get any prison time on the crime you committed, you have to do a certain set mandatory minimum sentence just because you had a gun. Typically, it's one, three, or five years on a specification. So he's got like 81 years of spec time plus his life without parole. So, and again, this is somewhat Pyrrhic too, because look, you can only serve one life prison sentence. uh, And it looks like that's exactly what he's going to do. I'm sure there'll be some appellate uh, advocacy going on, but uh, you know, it's probably clean. So Steve, my understanding, stop me in my tracks, is is likely the factual situation was that, uh, what's his name? George. George the fourth. George the fourth. He was the trigger man. Evidently, he was the guy that actually shot people, but there were other members of his immediate family present. And probably what I'm guessing, what the prosecutors were going to have a hard time proving was okay, we can prove that, say, three or four people were in the house 
that were co-conspirators, but we can't figure out which one actually did the killings. So which one we actually put to death. And so therefore I'm guessing rather than all of them, uh, you know, possibly facing the death penalty, uh, one of them cut a deal, like you say, that if you don't put any of my family on death row, I'll tell you who did the deed. Yeah, that may have been, the deal may have worked that way. And, you know, it's probably worthy of talking a little bit about the death penalty. And uh, it, it's, it, depending on where you are in Ohio, it's very difficult to get the death penalty for prosecutors. I mean, most people, I think, you know, I think most people, I think jurors look at the death penalty like, holy crap, this is a big deal. And, you know, I, the best argument, irrespective of, of wrongful convictions, which happen, if you don't think they do, just do some Googling. Um, in other words, you put the wrong guy on death row and kill him or, or her. Or, uh, or in prison for a long time, like we had with this guy we talked about a couple weeks ago. Exonerated. They just got the, the, yeah. the largest settlement ever yeah. from a, 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 lo- a local police department for... Uh, it happens. What, 30-some-odd 30, 30 years in the Ohio pen. Innocent, right. So, mm-hmm. and you know, so it, nobody wants to think that the system can get it wrong, but it can get it wrong, and it does get it wrong, and it, to this day, it still gets it wrong, and we can talk in a whole other show for hours about why that, and why that occurs, but... Uh, the death penalty is, um, you know, it's not so much about whether you agree that the death penalty should exist as a theoretical punishment. It is how do you implement the death penalty in a way that you're sure it's correct and accurate and not just guilty or not guilty, not just executing the wrong person, but how do I determine if Brett should get the death penalty on a crime that is seems similar to the one Norm committed and he doesn't get the death penalty? It gets very difficult, and then, you know, th- there's the hardcore people would say, well, kill them all. Yeah, well, you know, until it's your loved one, you know, right. you, 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 don't, you don't do that. So uh, it's uh, conceptually speaking, am I in favor of the death penalty? Generally, yes, but as a practical matter, I am not. And uh, people are like, well, you're supposed to be conservative, so you should you should want everybody, you should appreciate it. It's like, no, I see the system, and the system is flawed. It doesn't always work, and it's not just getting the right guy. It is who do you who are we to determine who lives and dies versus or vis-a-vis the same person committing a very similar or the same type of crime so anyway they did not elect for the death penalty and i think that was smart um and and look life in prison is no parade anyway so i i, I don't know that uh you know there, but, but, there, but it kind of goes back to why we have the death penalty correct it was supposed to be a deterrent it's supposed to be a deterrent. Well, it's and also, now, and now it's just a let's get rid of them no, because not, they're not, they're a money leech. It never was just a deterrent. It was also punishment. Well, right? Like, no, the, no, no. The system sure, has sure. different components of the of punishment. So one would be deterring others from committing the same acts, and another would be to punish. You know, there is a pure punishment sure. goal in our sure. criminal justice system. Right. Um, and you, eye for an eye. Yeah. Very old, basic uh, Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. You could say that. Uh, uh, we don't care about that in our modern society, but we do, and uh, and I think we should. Uh, and you know, I hear this all the time from clients. Like, how, what's it go, What what possible good can it can it serve if I have to go to prison for what I've done? You know, I'm never going to do this again, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, you know, um, I, I don't necessarily agree, but they're going to say if you ask that question, and uh, they're going to say punishment and deterrence, and and they're going to say, well, look, nobody else is going to do what I did. All right, well, then they're going to just punish you. Well, that's not fair. Well, look, it, no. it, it just is yeah. what it is. Wow. So, and there are times I agree more than others about how the system works. But you know, the good news is, at least now in federal court, we have we have eliminated a lot of the mandatory type um, 
I don't say mandatory sentencing because that's the wrong way to put it. We've gotten rid of the sentencing guidelines, which um, as a mandatory uh, uh, gauge for what the sentence should be. And judges have discretion now back to sort of the rudimentary terms that we all know that you should base a sentence. Is this a good guy? Is he likely to do it again? Right. What is the what is the impact uh, as far as deterring others from doing this? And what's the punishment impact? And, you know, judges, we vest with discretion to figure that stuff out. Well, and also, uh, you, you can tell me, Steve, in what criminal cases, but it is also within the uh, defendant's rights, I believe, in, in Ohio to dispense with a jury trial and let the judge decide. Isn't that correct? Well, yeah. So we all have a right under the Sixth Amendment to have trial by jury. And you could take that all the way back, I suppose, to Magna Carta um, and uh, maybe even beyond that. But, it, you know, as a, as a, and that applies to the states through yeah. mm-hmm. this crazy logic, through the 14th Amendment, it applies to the states. Yes. So in any crime that carries with it possible, uh, and now on misdemeanors anyway, if you go back and watch Gideon's trumpet, but if you go back, uh, or no, 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 forgive me, that was a uh, right to counsel. But any crime that can put you in jail, uh, you have a right to trial by jury. And uh, you can weigh that right. You can say, Judge, I want you to decide the right, facts. Right. And if you don't weigh that right, a jury will decide what the facts are and then apply the facts to what the law the judge gives them is. So the judge will still say, look, the law says you cannot eat that orange. And then the jury is going to decide whether Brett actually ate the orange. Uh, and then say, well, the law says you can't eat the orange. We find that Brett, as a factual matter, ate the orange. You can waive jury trial, and the judge will say, all right, I know what the law is. Brett's not allowed to eat the orange, and I hereby decide that Brett ate the orange or didn't. And uh, then phase two, if it's a death penalty case, it's you have a right to a jury trial on death penalty issues um, to determine whether or not somebody should live or die. Uh, and you can waive that as well and have a judge decide that. And there's a very famous case here in Ohio, um, uh, William Wickline, where he actually uh, he's he was accused of killing uh, uh, the Lurches. And uh, I think it was Peggy Lurch and I forget her the husband's name. But they he killed these people and, and he waived his right to trial by jury and tried the case to a three-judge panel here in Franklin County. And uh, then waived jury on the death penalty component. And they sentenced they not only found him guilty, they sentenced him to die. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think some of the lawyers back at the time sort of thought, well, these are liberal judges. They're not really in favor of the death penalty. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got a chance here. And, you know, they found out the hard way they were wrong. Um, and I'm not saying their choice was good, bad, or right or wrong. Yeah. And in that case, they ended up, they did end up executing uh, William Wickline. And I think it was the first execution after the death penalty law resumed. You know, there was yeah, a time when we had no death penalty. And I'm just saying, you know, given the quality of uh, juries these days, I mean, you know, a lot of people do not want to serve on a jury. And when I went down, did mine, I'm self-employed, so I'm a little bit more flexible, and did my jury duty on a, on a felony case. Man, oh man, I mean, it is, uh, what's a nice way to put this? Because I don't mean any disparagement, but I mean, it's retirees, mainly older women. I mean, it's, it's mm. unbelievable. And, and so you get a certain, I don't know, socioeconomic uh, profile with a lot of juries in particular areas. And I could see where a defendant in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area where he may or she may feel there is a little bit of bias or intolerance might make that decision. Well, and there's a few things we got to kick around. So in federal court, like we have the Southern District Eastern Division of Ohio, that would that would sort of swath all the way down to Southern Ohio. So you're getting here right in, and it sits in Columbus. So you know you're getting uh, 
you're getting jurors from sort of, I think, like down, say, Hocking County or even farther south to come up here to Columbus and sit on your drug case. Yeah. Your your inner city conspiracy drug case and decide right. it. And you're going to be thinking, well, those folks aren't my peers. Well, that's just how it rolls. And yeah. then, you know, if you commit a crime like uh, this murder in uh, down in Pike County, you're getting Pike County jurors. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, Norm, there's certain jurors who are, you know, there's going to be more of one demographic than another just by virtue of people who get out of it. Um, and by the way, and anybody who has asked me, my friends or otherwise, for this help always gets the same answer. Hey, Steve, I got summons for jury duty. Uh, how do I get out of it? Yeah, right. And you know what my answer is? You don't. You don't. Yeah. yeah. It's you part don't. of your duty. Yeah, but you know, Steve, you can do something, right? You can just go talk to them. What do I say? <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't. You say yes. Yeah, Thank you. Come on. You know, my turn. You can't. You know, I got. And <laughs> yeah. I always tell. I tell people, listen. I understand what you're asking me. Right. You don't want to come down, take the time to sit right. on jury duty for a couple of weeks. Right. You're asking the wrong guy to help you get out of jury duty because yeah. I believe in the jury system. Absolutely. And I believe that that is one of like we don't have many things in our society that we are actually legally responsible to do. We really don't. You don't yeah. have to vote if you don't right. want. Sure. You don't have to do anything. You, in fact, now you can sit back and just collect a check and do nothing. And they will right. take the taxes for you. You don't have to do anything. But you have to show up for jury duty. You, it's your duty as a citizen. It's what makes our system better than all the rest. It doesn't make it perfect. It just makes them better. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Sing I the was, battle him and the republic in the background. As I, said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was the uh, most youthful member of my jury. Uh-huh. You believe that? Uh, mm. I mean, you know, uh, so... And at any rate, I yeah. I think even within the demographic that would populate that community, it's further refined by people who feel like they have time off or, ooh, I'm retired and this would be exciting to serve on a jury. And so you get people who really want to be I there. I would pay yeah. to be on a jury. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, it does pay. I think in Licking County, it's like 25 bucks per diem. Or Maybe something. a free parking, yeah. too. Yeah. And yeah. I'll tell you what, yeah. if you're deliberating late, they'll buy you pizza a lot of times. Yeah, right. So I want to ask you guys, We got, let's like stick with this deterrent. And so, there's a maximum fine. There's a fine to anything you do wrong, speeding, whatever it might be. So... What do you think, what, what kind of maximum fine would stop you from bringing a gun on to an airplane in your, in your carry-on? Yeah, we get this. This is happening a lot now. Yeah. Well, what, what, what would stop you personally? If you knew this amount was the maximum fine, say, I wouldn't think about it. I, 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 yep, I got to check my carry-on. I don't my, think I check, there my is carry-on. an amount that is going to deter that from happening. Okay. Ever. And it's because people aren't doing it on purpose. That's right. It's not intentional. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm just because the TSAs are raising their maximum fines. Well, because they have a two, civil two, forfeiture. Yeah. It's so it's think yeah, fine. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because they're raising it from which I think this sounds so arbitrary as well. It used to be thirteen thousand nine hundred ten dollars. Where the hell they come up with that number? It's now it's going to be oddly enough ten thousand, or I should say one thousand forty dollars, ten forty tax. Mm-hmm to 14,950 because too many people are going are doing it 6,301 firearms in carry-on bags so far this year happens all the time i've had very close friends wow. of mine call happens me and the they, they've made this mistake the mayor of the mayor of columbus's wife uh tried to board an airplane with a gun in her purse. Is it just because, again, I'm not a carrier, so I don't, is it not just that you're ca- so used to carrying it you forget? Let me, is that what it is? Let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm because sorry. I, I don't want to libel anybody. Yeah, no. Not the current mayor. A previous mayor in Columbus's wife tried to board a plane with a gun in her purse 
and just forgot. Yeah, uh, 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 broadcaster Lou Dobbs, his wife, did the same thing at Reagan National in D.C. Yep. People have a gun in their purse. They go to the airport. They don't even realize it's in their purse. They're not thinking about it. Mm. It's unintentional. And, and I and I know they're not intentionally doing it, but it's, it's just that they carry it like a, like your keys. Yes. It's just, well, it's well, just why not? Wait, yeah. it's, it? legal. Okay. it's legal to well, carry. Well, yeah. well, what I'm thinking is that you're just so automatically doing it, you forget. You forget, yes. Okay. And okay. I've, had, I've had explanations okay. like, I've heard people explain it like, look, I wasn't going to take this my certain backpack, but then my plans changed, so I mm-hmm. grabbed my backpack and I forgot that I had my my oh, carry gun. Totally in it. legit. Or, yeah. Um, totally you know, I was running late. So think of think of like the craziest travel day you've ever had, sure. where you're sure. where you're OJ Simpson through the airport hurdling Samsonite luggage, and you. Uh, so in norm world, this would not be a crime. In norm world, hmm. it would be confiscated, boxed. You could come back for it on your, you know, after you come back. I, I don't yeah. see any reason to take somebody's made an error, okay, on mm-hmm. carrying a legal item. So if they're already allowed to carry it, yeah, right, right. You know, it's it's like, really no different than having a too big a tube of toothpaste. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Really, give me a break. Yes, I mean it can be boxed. You get it when you come back. Right. We're right. done and, and move on. But I mean, it could be other implications. I think there's like uh, revoke pre-check eligibility for at least five years. Fine. Okay. Whatever. You know, that, slap see, on the I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. So I look yeah, at it. And, and, and look, there's another side of this. It's not just a civil fine. I mean, there are people charged with indicted. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. 20 years ago, I had cases in federal court that um, when people tried to do this, uh, and it was, uh, I'd had to go to federal court and defend them. And now sure. they're in state court. They Sometimes they're felonies, depending on the county you're in in Ohio. Sometimes they're misdemeanors. In the city right. of Columbus, generally, they're, it's a misdemeanor. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, a trespass. They'll charge it as a trespass because it's posted somewhere uh-huh. that says you can't come on our on our uh, facility with a handgun. Uh-huh. And if you do that, then it becomes a trespass. Now, it's interesting because crime, this is one of, I feel like I'm dominating the mic today, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, generally speaking, in going back to English common law, Okay. In our Western system of justice, you have two components of crime. You have to have something called mens rea, which is the thinking thing or your mental intent. And then you have to have something called actus reus, which is the thing you did. So you, in other words, I, you have to have some sort of criminal intent in order to have a crime. And this is one of those crimes that you don't arguably have criminal intent. That has been codified now. And we in Ohio have four or five levels of, of criminal intent, negligent, reckless, knowing, and on purpose, or four, I guess. And then the fifth would be strict liability. So if you're speeding, that is a strict liability crime. There is no intent required. The government does not have to prove that you did it on purpose. So when you're saying, look, I didn't realize that I was wearing these heavy boots and my accelerator was down farther and I got this brand new car like mine that you're going 80 and you don't even know it. Well, we don't care, sir. It requires no criminal intent. It's just a regulatory offense. You're guilty. Um the trespass charge in Columbus is not strict liability. You have to have some recklessness intent, and uh, it proven gets proven by the city, proven by the city or right. the government right. that that you did this with some criminal intent. So I've defended these cases, and that's my argument. I'm like, prove that this guy was reckless. You know, he was negligent for sure. He screwed up. He made a mistake. He did whatever. But you know, this is a force of habit crime. It's mm-hmm. not an on purpose crime. And I would be all in favor of writing a criminal law. Uh, maybe contrary to what Norm would say. Wake up, Paul. I'm that, gonna have you tell your TSA story. That says if if they if the government can establish um that you did this on purpose, yeah, or did this with some intent, then it should be a crime. The problem is nobody is going to 
willingly try to get through airport security with a freaking gun. Now, if it's a gun made of plastic and you're trying to smuggle it and clearly there's a there's a nefarious intent. Then string that guy up yeah. or that well, girl you up and prosecute. P- you get five pieces whatever. of the gun on your body everywhere. Exactly. The whole, pl- your shoe the whole plastic thing's yeah. an, another rat hole. I mean, they make a lot of gun parts out of plastic. Well, my point is, is if you have adopted a weapon, a gun, right. in order to try to deceive security, that's a that implies criminal intent. That's a different matter. Sure. Yeah. So, Paul. Okay. Okay. So, Paul, the TS. This is Paul. He wasn't allowed to talk, but now, now your <laughs> dad is totally, making him talk. Paul's allowed to talk if he wants to. <laughs> do, do you want to tell your TSA story? Because I'm flaming hot mad at the TSA, a creature of a Republican administration which overreacted after 9-11 to turn the entire security apparatus at airports coast to coast into a federal agency with 20,000 people working in airports doing screenings. But isn't it like pseudo-private? It's like somewhat. No, it's not pseudo private. It no, it's all a federal it, admin agency. Yes, I thought it was. They're federal too. employees. Okay. The the point is, they were not. They were they previously were private or county or city or whatever. Now, or airport, or you know wh- whatever they were. Now they're all federal employees. And it, 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 when you think back on nine eleven, everything those sons of bitches took on those planes was a perfectly legal item everything they used against the 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 stewardesses the the pilots uh, the the little the little serrated plastic knives the forks the box cutters all of that crap was legal the people doing the screenings at the airports absolutely did nothing wrong there were no firearms used there were no machine guns there were no grenades that nothing that went through the screeners was he'll right. we have to do something but we got to do something so let's take 20,000 people in the private sector wave a magic wand and make them federal employees and they screwed my son this week with a uh, really dangerous contraband that were Paul's Christmas presents. Go ahead, Paul, tell <laughs> yeah, the story. I figured this story would get brought up. Turn on your mic. Hold on a second. He's on, but I, don't, I just don't have him. Uh... Hold on. Is your little green light on underneath? Yeah, all right. Now, you, now you're good. You hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear myself now. Yeah, I figured this story would get brought up for some reason. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> you know um, your dad. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm pissed <laughs> off at the federal government. <laughs> yeah, so I'm happy to tell it. So. It kind of started out with um, my girlfriend liking candles like most um, girls do, and she likes to go to Bath and Body Works and spend. Sexist, (laughs) he's Paul. Just get to the airport part. And I have to preface it with why with why I had these things, but the backstory is always important. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because most most guys aren't walking around with thirty bars of soap, so I think I need to preface it a little bit, and so. I essentially introduced a way for us to make our own candles and our own soaps and kind of showed her how easy it was. And I was like, look, you can save money by making this yourself instead of spending $25 on a candle or $15 on a bar of soap. And then we started doing this and kind of became a fun thing that we like to do. And then I made them for everyone for Christmas. So I had about 12 candles and about, I don't know, 25. Don't pound the table when you're 25 homemade bars of soap. And my bag was, I put it in my carry-on, so that was my first mistake. And my bag was going through the scanner, and it set off the, essentially, the bomb alarm. Oh, let me stop you right there. It was your, it was a mistake, perhaps, only in terms of judgment, 
but there are no proscriptions yeah. against carrying on bars well, of soap yeah. or candles in your carry-on. And as you guys were saying earlier with the whole gun thing, I mean, it was it was a busy travel day. I wasn't really thinking about it. I just threw it mm-hmm. in my bag and I left. Yeah, right. I, I didn't have a whole lot of time. And there's so. no TSA uh, rule against carrying on soap or candles. Go no, ahead. No, and I didn't have a lighter with me. So I put it through the scanner and then they... You know, set it, set off the whatever. I don't, I don't know the technology or how it works, but the scanner identified an item in my bag as possibly, possibly being an explosive through smell. Their um, smell detector. Yeah. Yes. So because she, candles are so abhorrently. Oh, <laughs> So she wiped. Smelling. She used like these little test strips and wiped all over my stuff, and then was putting them into the computer, and then wiped each item pretty much individually, and then patted me down, and then I had to wait. I guess they paged their manager, and the manager had the decision of whether or not he wanted to come and, and inspect himself, and he decided to come. So after about her doing a search for 30 minutes, then I had to wait another 30 minutes, and then the manager came. So Don't I'm already, pound the table. I'm already investing <laughs> 45 minutes. Right. Our flight's boarding currently. I like that term, invest, as if you got something <laughs> in return for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and fl- you're at one of the busiest airports in the universe, DFW. Yeah, yeah, and, and our flight's currently boarding. Manager comes by, he offers to inspect each item again individually, and if he does this, then I can keep them. And I was like, well, can I check my bag? Uh, or can you check them for me? And he said, no, you can go check them. And I was like, well, I'm going to miss my flight. And so my only option then was to throw them away. That was the only option I was given. Right. Hmm. Yeah, and this is this is the Merry, problem. Merry frickin' Christmas. I voluntarily abandoned the item is what they called it. And so, then the TSA employees, according to Paul, were sad and dejected that 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 he had to do that. They yeah, felt well, thanks. Bad, yeah. So yeah, so sure. so he's looking in the rearview mirror, Your and they're federal all federal sympathy for making the, me yeah, throw away my property. They're all looking at their shoes, most assuring because they were they screwed this kid. Well, so here's the thing, and I remember this happening back in 2002, 2001, 2002. It's like, well, we got to do something, and I was too. I, I hadn't developed my thought process on this yet completely, but it just bugged me. It's like we got to do something. And then I heard, well, if it makes everything safer, I'm willing to wait. A little, if it makes everyone safer, I'm willing to wait a little bit longer at the airport. As if it does make everything safer. The premise was presumed, and it doesn't, right? So, like, the, none of this screening. This is all virtue signaling screening because a true terrorist. They, they call it security theater. Yes, that's a perfect word for it. Right. Mm. We're, we're going to make terrorist. everybody take off their shoes, and then and then the, the the nervous ladies here in the airport when they see that that big tall guy it's like masks. He took his shoes off, right. and they went through a scanner, and then she goes, oh. Oh, I'm going to fly to the Hamptons and feel much better about myself. Now, here's what's interesting. I uh, and We've got a medical student oh, at the table. God. Before COVID, or right as COVID hit, there we had all this mis- this these different uh, inconsistent instructions about wearing masks. And, you know, the first one was you shouldn't have to, you don't need to wear masks. Don't worry about it. And then they later, of course, Fauci reverses his field and says, no, that was only because I was worried we were going to run out of them, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but in those early days, I went and did some research. So I, I sat at home Googling. And why did I sit at home Googling it? Because they closed down my freaking business. I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> and I was, um, I, I researched masks and sort of like the efficacy of wearing masks in the medical field. And I came up with, I, I don't know if it was Harvard or Yale, one of the medical journals uh, had done a study on this back in the 90s or maybe even the early 2000s. And the conclusion was, we can't really conclude that masks do anything, 
But we're going to recommend that people continue to wear masks because everybody thinks that they do anything, and it's going to make everybody else feel like it's safer in the hospitals. Right. And and that was there. I mean, that was legit. I can't find that study anymore. Well, that is the reason. Oh, no, I bet not. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and that and that is the reason that the Pentagon has testified in front of Congress numerous times. And and I'm not one way or the other a believer. But that's the same justification that we want the public to be calm. We want to reassure the public why they won't tell us yes, no, is there alien life? Right? What, what <laughs> they won't, they need to they do. won't tell us about UFOs because they're afraid of our reaction like we're little puppies in we're a box. We're skipping a jump away <laughs> from showing up at the dispensary to get our Soma, just like in the Brave New yeah, World. With, right. That's Aldous Huxley. For those who don't have to read that book anymore, you should. Um, wow, Steve gave us Latin lessons earlier, and now we're uh, doing literature. Uh, mm-hmm. Literature. Mm-hmm. All this <laughs> uh, and, and these were all, I think these were all sort of left-wing guys writing it. But, the, you know, it's like they were writing about this dystopian future where we just have to keep our population well, left, happy with Soma. Well, old left-wing guys like, you know, Orwell and Huxley. Orwell was a communist. On well, they're, yeah. yeah, but now they're right-wingers. They're right-wingers. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. everything they yeah. predicted came true, but it's the left that's doing it's a it, well it's it's the authoritarian out it's the it's the inevitable authoritarian uh outcome of either ideology right if you take anything too far and right. you think that you're right you can justify almost anything so we need to have safe airports so we're going to make we're going to we're going to uh uh, violate all notions of what you think is a reasonable search going into an airplane sure. or an airport uh, maybe even your fourth amendment rights although we don't, I'm not going to get in the weeds on that, but you, you sort of give that up when you when you go to the airport. But uh, if you, it, we're going to do that because we it, we're right, and you know our safety is the most important thing. So look what's happening with environmental regulation. Look what's happening with this COVID safety nonsense. Like if you use your the the public safety as the mechanism, the fulcrum to enact legislation and do whatever is necessary to protect the public it has no end it can it it has no end we will all be locked in our houses and i've said this before that if if cars were invented today we would not be allowed to drive them the government would outlaw it they would have because they're way too unsafe there are more deaths on the highways than there are from anything else so it's it's uh, certainly the airport, certainly hijacking, and uh, <laughs> and so we would never be allowed to do it. So it, it yeah. just is. Uh, this is why beware of the government saying we're trying to make your lives safer uh, or faster or whatever it would be, because really those are euphemisms to exercise power lovers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, that's cool stuff, Steve. Uh, so my philosophy for the day. Sorry, Norman. No. Speaking of hijack, I hijacked your entire news. Mm, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's all no, good. No. One, um, more, one more I, comment I want to make, too. I don't know if you guys no, have No, no, no. You only had one. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have TSA. Another mouthy Murdoch in the house. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have TSA pre-check, but the, the odd thing to me is when you, you, know, you pay $80 for five years or whatever, submit an application, and then all of those people don't want to take their shoes or their belts off. And if you're able to do a full security check on those people, and there's no background check as far they might have done one on me. I don't know if they did. Um, but if you can do a full security check on those people, why can't you just do that for everybody? Why does anyone have to take their shoes off? Right. It's nonsense. And yeah. now they've got these people in line coming down to sell me. I have to buy this membership to get to the yeah. front of the line. And yeah. I don't even know what the hell that is. But I'm like, wait a minute. What wow. is that? And then they're like. I traveled it, in a while. Make, speaking of theater, they're making theater out of it. So I was in, um, I was coming through Florida, I think, coming back from Mexico, and it was, so it was a packed airport and big security lines. You had to come in and out of customs. But 
the, it, right in front of all these people waiting in line in this hot airport, packed in, waiting on the waiting to try to get through the security. They're like, they, they open up the little gates and they say, "All right, you want to sign up? Just come right over here, and we're going to take you right to the front of the line." I'm like, "So what's the deal?" And it was it was expensive. I was like, screw you. I'm not going to give you $80 to come to the front of the line. Right. A TSA approved. I mean, this is. It's like a private company that oh. is now doing something. Uh, well, to, you you to, know, uh, El Chapo. You... El Chapo's behind that. I'm sure. Well, look, because no that's terrorists. Who, well, no that's terrorists who runs. would ever get through that. Exactly. But, well, who, the, <laughs> right. I mean, who we all know who runs the Mexican-American border. Well, I was in Florida. It's the cartels. Yeah, you were coming in from Mexico. Yeah, I was coming in from Mexico. Okay, yeah, yeah. so we know who runs that border between but Mexico and this the United was, States. I was already in, though. I was, so it's like anybody who was coming, anybody who was flying out of Florida would have had the same issues. Well, well I think whether the, it's coming from Mexico well, I th- or I think I think the cartels probably... Well, look, blame the cartels. I don't yeah. care. I'm not it's arguing. It's probably El Chapo, man. El Chapo, yeah. Well, Jeez. hey, one of the big things that happened this past week, and Ohio's Attorney General Dave Yost was... Uh, was part of it um, is a ten point seven billion dollar. I thought you were going to say ten point buck. Ten point seven <laughs> billion dollar settlement regarding opioids um, with CVS and Walgreens. I will say right up front, this was a negotiated settlement, so it never went to trial. And Walgreens and CVS both say they did absolutely nothing wrong, and they didn't. And they, uh, yeah, I am, I am befuddled by this, except for one thing. This sounds a lot like these, what I call, Norm calls reverse RICO deals, where you got, okay, we have 50 states, right? You get 50 attorney generals or some portion thereof, 35, 17, 20, 25, whatever number, and they all threaten individual lawsuits against the very same companies. So now these companies have to defend themselves in court 25 or 30 or 50 times. And so it brings them to their knees because for they, doing what the government encouraged exactly them to right. do. This is so, the housing so what, crisis. So what is the, yeah, what is the backstory on Here's this? Here's the then? backstory. Go on ahead, this. Steve. Yeah. You the know better than me. Look, and I'll, I'll just tell you from a criminal defense lawyer standpoint, mm-hmm. around about uh, 10 years ago or so, maybe more, like, I don't I have to do the research, sure. but I started to get calls from doctors who were running pain clinics. And they're getting they're getting indicted. They're getting target letters from Justice Department because they're dispensing too many pain meds or whatever it is, or people are taking advantage of it. And then I finally sort of sat down with the guy. who's pretty reasonable. He goes, "You know what's funny about this is that five years ago, we as a medical the American Medical Association was cramming this down on us, saying it was it was discriminatory not to treat pain patients. So we were encouraged to open pain clinics." just to treat the downtrodden who were in pain. And it was all done under the under the guise, under the stated goal, again, of, of uh, equality, of equity, because the, the, the more minorities were suffering in pain and weren't getting treated for it. So they encouraged these docs to open pain clinics. At the same time, you have like Pfizer and all these medical drug companies um, sort of being encouraged. And don't, I, look, I can't prove, but don't, you're never going to convince me the government didn't look the other way when they got up and lied about whether these dope, this, whether heroin was addicting. Like we've known this yeah. forever. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, right. so you've invented a heroin that's not addicting, and we're just going to take that at face value. So, so the government not only then the government approves so Steve, the drug, the just, FDA just, approves it. Hold on, just factually, not everybody knows. So opioids are a derivative of the same. It's heroin. 
it, it, yeah, as heroin. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's, and they were making synthetic okay. heroin, okay. saying that we've developed a synthetic heroin that's not addicting. Not all of our listeners may know that. That's right. Okay. Right. So anyway, that's and then and not only that, the FDA approves it and starts pushing it. Why? Because we want to do this in the name of equity. We want to push this through, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, treat these patients who are otherwise neglected, and we're gonna encourage the doctors to do it. And then five years later, I'm defending doctors who were doing what they were told. And you know, CVS or all these big pharma companies who were making money dispensing these drugs, well, they were just doing what they were encouraged to do. You know, it's like, these are approved drugs. If government, you don't like the drugs, then don't give these people immunity, legal immunity, these manufacturers legal immunity for producing them. And it's kind kind of like how the federal government subsidized tobacco farmers. Correct. For almost a century, sure. you know, since since the, you know, since the great, you know, the Great Depression, they've been they've been subsidizing tobacco farmers. And then, you know, now, you know, tobacco is the enemy. There's two <laughs> sides of the sinister coin. The first side is the government side that encouraged this to happen. And we can take the housing crisis back in the, the one that culminated sure. in 08 and, exactly. and look at that one, because right. the government says banks this is discriminatory lending. There's not enough minorities getting homes. Right. You need to abandon the 30-year fixed mortgage and start lending to people who don't otherwise qualify because your qualifications are discriminatory. If the applicant can fog a mirror, you give them a mortgage. Right. So, And that was dumb policy. And then what happens? Well, the banks do exactly what they're encouraged to do. And the government buys them all up as Freddie Mae, Fannie Mac. And uh, so now you've got these loans that are basically bulletproof. So, And then later on, 10 years later, the same people who were pushing this in Congress are turning around and saying, these investment bankers took advantage of our country and blah, 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 right. blah, blah. And so it, both sides are bad, right? So you've got the crooks who took advantage of an obvious right. uh, problem. And then you've got the federal government whose dumb policy created the obvious problem. And then and you've then, got these crooked Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. All you know, of whom are relatives of congressmen. Yeah, these fat cat women. guys that were making millions of dollars, you know, Nine basically over, yeah, overseeing a federally guaranteed mortgage program. It's like, right. It's well, the same with opioids. Give and, me a and break. The same conceptual thing. with it. And again, the policy wasn't measured on its outcome. It was measured on its intent. So, so what I look at when I see them going after CVS, and I wish Dave Yost was here to defend himself. But when I see, and I that, like Dave Yost. He's actually a personal friend of mine. That has, so yeah, I, this that has, has nothing to do with Dave Yost. No, he's trying to do what he does. No, but. I mean he's seeing other AGs go after these two companies, and he's like, "Yeah, I guess we got to get on board, get or else we won't get our slice." Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you know, CVS and Walgreens doing nothing but filling scripts that doctors are submitting. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. They're the middleman. Yeah. And look, doctors running, the, there, there were plenty of bad docs running pain clinics who were got really lackadaisical about the healthcare. You proven, know. proven. Sure. Were, like, sure. You know, I've represented sure. plenty of them. Well, there's bad everything. So of right. course there's bad doctors. So take those people down. But then Sorry, there's the Paul. docs who are just like, look, I'm doing what they're telling me to do. I, I've got my charts. I got my, I'm seeing these patients. We're doing it. And th- there was another similar type of thing uh, with bariatric treatment at one point. And, um, you know, it, it just, it just shows you is that they're never going to, the government's never going to stand up and say, all right, we're partially responsible for this. No, our dumb no, policy. Not. We should never have encouraged this. Right. And, and, you know, two things are true. One, we had dumb policy and we had bad actors on the other end. Right. Not everybody in this is evil. I mean, they're not going to say, no. you know what they need? They need a little dose of common sense, Ohio. Yeah, they do. And I, I would love to know where this $10.7 is going to go and what we're going to use it for oh, and how that's going to get freaking wasted. Yes, just like because the tobacco gonna, settlement exactly. money was wasted. Uh-huh. That we're we're going to help those that are hooked. Yeah, right. You're going to run a bunch of PSAs right. 
and it'll go to ad agencies. It's going to fund bad government more crap treatment more facilities. crap right That's it's right. going and to it's going to fund geez. a whole new bureaucracy so you're dependent on the government to help you because we got you hooked but th- this is our way of saying right. we're sorry yeah tacitly right. exactly i love it when the government does these settlements it almost ne- so so they do that tobacco settlement mm-hmm. how much of that money ever went to the victims of you know people who had cancers yeah. you know or or people who lost their mom or their dad None of that money went to those people. It just went to fund another state agency or, to, or a to program. circle it right around the table, back to where we were last week, the big tobacco companies are still making tobacco and selling right. it at our gas stations, at our grocery stores, right. and everywhere else. But you can't sell vape in the city of Columbus right. that right. has no... Uh, oh, of course, they, that they does not have the cancerous to, uh, chemicals that the, the very, cigarettes have. I don't know if you caught this, Steve, but the very day after Columbus passed that ordinance, uh, legislation was introduced into the state legislature to take away to again, like the gun law to like preempt it, yeah. local uh, prohibitions against certain kinds of tobaccos and and, mm-hmm. and uh, vape. Uh, you know, additives, flavorings. And, and we should, right. we should, I don't know that we explained preemption well enough. I'll do it and I'll give you my 30 Just seconds Just means they can't, they can't regulate it. So that's the, all. What, what, what the goal of preemption is the state or the federal government would say, we are the sole entity yep. responsible for right. all regulation in this area because otherwise you end up with a bunch of local inconsistent rules that are difficult to follow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. I wanted to do a cross-promote your munitions podcast you put out yesterday about buying guns, gifting guns. Oh yeah. That's yeah, a good yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think being the holiday season. A lot yeah. of people gift guns. Yes, they I do. Thought it was a good, I thought it was a good episode. Yeah, in check it to out. How to do that, what not to do, and how to do it. Yeah, so, check it out. We have, I have a munitions podcast. Where I'm actually, I, I stand at the, I sit at this mic a couple times a week doing different podcasts. Sure. But yeah. That's one of them with Derek DeBras, the munitions lawyer. Well, Derek, uh, Derek was my lawyer in a particular case, uh, his law firm, I should say. Yeah. Um, Santa brought me a canister of 192 M1 uh, Garand uh, uh, cartridges. For my rifle, so um, yes, uh, oh, Christmas. Oh, oh. Christmas is a time for munitions. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. We need to talk a little bit about Jim Jordan. Um, Jim Jordan is the congressman from the fourth district in Ohio. Has been since two thousand and seven. He is going to be taking over since the Republicans now uh, next year will be running the House by what five people majority. Um, he will be the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and will be looking into things like collusion between the FBI and big tech. Um, we all know about the Twitter releases that Elon Musk and uh, journalists uh, Matthew Taibbi and um, and the other, uh, gosh, uh, Schellenberger and, uh, gosh, who's the other one, uh, Barry Weiss. Uh, those journalists have been uh, releasing these internal memos and emails back and forth between the FBI and Twitter. And it's just, uh, it's, it's hair raising the kinds of things that are coming out. Well, Jim Jordan is going to be looking into that. And of course, therefore, since Jim Jordan, right, is going to be looking into the FBI, there are people after Jim Jordan, not very shocking, right? So, the latest is the January 6th committee, which just recommended charges against President, ex-President Trump uh, for things like uh, inciting uh, to riot when there is no evidence of incitement whatsoever by President Trump. There is no, in, in other words, there, 
their handoff to the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland does not include any, it, not a scintilla of evidence. And I don't like Trump, okay? But it doesn't show that President Trump incited anybody to riot. I mean, that's just a fact. Anyway, they're going after Jim Jordan, the January 6th committee. They selected him, Kevin McCarthy, and a few other people that refused to play along in their little kangaroo court hearings, uh, didn't want to uh, provide certain evidence and testimony because they didn't think it was a fair committee because Nancy Pelosi would not allow the Republicans to appoint their members to that committee. So they concluded it was a setup, a phony committee. The only two Republicans were Kinzinger and that crazy broad that uh, that got thrown out of office, uh, Dick Cheney's daughter. What, what, oh, yeah. I mean, so those were the only two Republicans. They're the ones that voted to impeach Donald Trump anyway. So they're, they're rhinos. And, and so the Republicans were not allowed to staff the committee with their own people. They, therefore, didn't want to testify in front of it. Good enough. They recommended that Jim Jordan, because of that, be investigated for by the Ethics uh, uh, Committee in Congress, be investigated. And it's just another thing. They tried to get Jordan... Uh, you know, they, they tried to somehow stain him with the Ohio State University athletic doctor scandal, uh, you know, where where the, the, the doctor that was accused of uh, molesting uh, athletes, they somehow tried to say because Jim Jordan was an assistant wrestling coach that somehow he should have known or should have done something, and they had no evidence for that either. But what's coming out of this is that the the swamp – the deep state will definitely go after you. <laughs> and, yeah. and I just want to say that the, the, from my perspective, the work that Jim Jordan is doing has done in the past uh, is phenomenal. And he is, uh, he's brave. He's doing, he's from Ohio. He's doing an incredible job of trying to bring to light facts that are very uncomfortable for the American public to hear. It's not comfortable. I'm not happy to hear that the FBI is a political organization now. No, it's horrible. I mean, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear the CIA, members of the Pentagon, the DOD. I don't want to hear all this. The Justice Department, whether they're going to charge or not charge uh, Donald Trump, who is the only announced candidate for the Republican uh, against the the incumbent, Joe Biden. He possibly he's going to direct Merrick Garland to 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 charge his his only competition for office in 2024 with a with a set of crimes that are totally bogus. I mean, this is our country now, and I'm not happy about it. I take no delight that Jim Jordan is exposing this stuff, but it just people need to stand by gutsy, honest, honorable public servants. They're very rare, and I think Jim Jordan, I don't want to put a halo on the guy, but I think he's close to that. Well, look, he's human, and he is what he is, but he tries to speak the truth, even when it's not uh, consistent with what he would might believe or not believe. He'd be a perfect common-sense Ohio guy. Yeah. He'd come in here and just say it like it is, and right. if he disagreed, he'd have a reasonable discussion with you, I think, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he, there, look, he has got his chest exposed for the arrows that they're going to start slinging at him. I mean, there is no, oh, no doubt about, about it. Sure. Because it, yeah, yeah. it is contrary. But, they're coming. 
All right, well, look, this will be the last time uh, before Christmas that we get uh, a chance at the roundtable. And for the last three weeks, four weeks, maybe I've been bringing up something about Christmas. And I didn't know what to think. I didn't. I, I think I used up all my good ammunition <laughs> the last three or four weeks. So, But I did see this story up in, uh, was it Dedlam, Massachusetts? Did you guys see this one? Mm. Uh, the library up yeah, there was, right. was uh, there's this big controversy going on where the librarian for the last 20 years or so has put up a Christmas tree and mm-hmm. uh, was somebody complained and you know it wasn't somebody who really cared. It was somebody who, uh, who wanted to be an activist. It was an know? assistant mm-hmm. librarian. And it, it was more of an activism type thing. Yeah. And what, what was fat, uh, first of all, jump to the end, the tree is back up. So there was, there were hearings, there was outcry, there was social media, there was all this stuff. And, but how that happened to me is the best way to discuss uh, my closing comments on Christmas. And it was, there was a testimony, commentary, all sorts of folks, Jewish, I think one was even uh, Muslim or was wearing a burqa. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. people come in and say, look, we have watched this tree for years. We know this woman. This is about community. This is about um, uh, banding together. This is about peace. This is about uh, it, free speech, free speech, but yeah. it, it wasn't that it, it was deeper than that to them. It, it was about, look, we've never felt offended by this. This woman has never done anything offensive to us. We don't look at this. Like if you're not a Christian, then you're no good. They, they saw it as a unifying, um, uh, thing symbol maybe is the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, then I got to thinking, it's like we, when we started out three weeks ago, talking about, uh, or playing the Linus, uh, recitation of the Gospel of Luke, and uh, so I went and reread the Gospels on Christmas and and what they have to say about it, and uh, I'll encourage everybody to do the same. But it but it hit me that it's not just um, uh, there's a lot more there than just saying you're a Christian and this is the birth of Christ. I mean, I think the the olive branch extends to everybody, and as Norm says, I'll close with this: uh, we love everybody, right? And that, that that is the Christian ideal. It's not hate; it's love, right? And, and that's what this holiday, um, aside from like the birth of Christ, means to me uh, more than anything else. It, it's it's this notion that we now have this figure, this symbol, this individual, this. Uh, son of, uh, you know, God incarnate here on earth, if that's what you believe. And I do. Uh, but it's beyond that. It's it's one of the most unifying holidays around. Enjoy it with your family and uh, peace be with you, I guess. Right. Yep. Happy holidays. So. Right. All right. That's my uh, two cents on. Paul, thanks for coming. Yeah. Thank and, you guys and for sharing your yeah, stories of woe with story. the airport. Well, bad story, um, great story. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess. He's a badass, isn't he? Mountain Dew at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, two. He's got Mountain Dew and A&W. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, do, I, do I raise him right? I can't comment on oh, that. Oh, come on. Yeah, I can't comment. He's, and he's and, too much like you. I and look at that saying. facial hair. No <laughs> wonder they took his candles away. He looks like a Palestinian terrorist. <laughs> so swarthy. Right. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. We and I love Palestinians. Norm loves everybody. That's right. As as he should. So, In fact, right. I'm probably half Palestinian myself. So check out all this episode and all the others at uh, commonsenseohioshow.com. You can get your podcast wherever you get podcasts. Why? Because Brad here at Circle 270 Media makes that kind of stuff happen. You snap your fingers and uh, your podcast is up where it needs to be. He mentioned Munitions Podcast. Uh, you can check that one out because we're talking about all things guns and firearms related and, and giving guns for Christmas. You know, what what else? You know, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> we even talked about flamethrowers, so, you know, there's some interesting stuff going on there. <laughs> but um, check us out. And until the new year, we may get back in for an episode before the new year, but if we don't, until then, here we're coming at you right from the middle, Common Sense Ohio, at least until now.